Praise the Lord. God bless all of you. So good to see everyone here this morning. Amen. Let's all stand. I'm excited to go. So let's get going. (laughs) Amen. Let's call out to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's seek His face this morning. We need to receive of Him. We need to hear His voice. I got nothing for you. I can't even help myself. Uh, But Jesus can help whatever it is you're going through. Jesus can take care of whatever it is you're facing. Amen. Lord willing, uh, He'll operate through me and through others this morning to enact His perfect will here today. Amen. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. I worship You. All glory and all honor goes to the Lord Jesus Christ today. We heap glory and honor unto the Most High God because that You are God and God alone. It is You that sits upon the throne. Hallelujah, Jesus. There is no God beside You. There is no Savior beside beside You. We give glory and honor unto You this morning. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your will would be manifest in this place today. From this point forward, Lord Jesus, this is your service. We are your people. We submit ourselves wholly and completely to the Lord our God today. I pray, Lord, that whatever it is you desire to do in this place, that you would be free to do that. We release you into every circumstance and situation. We release you into this service today to do what only you can do to save, to heal, to restore, to provide, to deliver, whatever the need is today. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that all of us would bind together as one body, that we would bind together as one to enter into Your presence this morning, to heap glory and honor unto You, to worship and to praise You. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus, because that only You are worthy to receive it. Thank You, Jesus, for this opportunity You've afforded us today to enter into the very throne room of God to entertain Your presence, to receive of You Your good things. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus! I am so thankful for You. I am so thankful for Your so great salvation and this opportunity You've given us today. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus! I pray, Lord, above all else, that Your name would be glorified here today. That Your name would be lifted up and magnified in this place today. That Your praise in the lips of Your people would be made glorious. Hallelujah, Jesus! Hallelujah, Jesus. I am so thankful for You. Thank You, Jesus, for all that You've done. Thank You for what You're doing. Thank You for what You will do in our midst. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. Amen. What an awesome God we serve, folks. When we serve the Lord Jesus Christ... We are faced every day with infinite possibilities. Infinite possibilities for good, for victory, for success. Amen. Whatever the Lord desires for us to do, we can accomplish that today. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Amen. Our young adults class is going to stay up here with us today, for better or for worse. Amen. Before we start the lesson, Brother Bob, how you doing this morning? That's good to hear. Amen. Brother Bob got the Holy Ghost last Sunday. Amen. And to celebrate that, Brother Bob, and to help you remember, we got a certificate for you. If you want to come up.
Bob? Come on back up here. God's got a plan for you, Bob. You're going to do great things. Don't hope. I know still. God has great plans for you. Put Him first. And He'll he'll excel you. He'll cause you to soar. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. We're very proud of that young man. Amen. God bless you, Bob. God is so good to us. Last week we talked about the parable of the lost sheep. How that when his sheep begin to wander, he's aware of it and he goes looking for them. Amen. We are irreplaceable to him. We don't, offices are replaceable, uh, positions are replaceable, we know that, and we're, I'm thankful for that. Uh, if someone dies, then that position is just gone? No, no, we need someone else to step up and, and continue on, right? In the book of Joshua, chapter 1, God said, Moses, my servant, is dead. So now this whole thing falls apart. No. Now you go, Joshua. You pick up where he left off. Amen. So those are replaceable, but we as individuals, as human beings, we are irreplaceable in the sight of God. God doesn't just let us wander off and I'll just create another one. Keep it balanced. We're we're good to go. No, He doesn't think like that. He values you. He doesn't just let you wander off and die and I'll just make another one. He wants you. He's invested everything He has into you. He loves you. He died for you. And His love for us is unconditional. There's nothing I can do to make Him love me more, and there's nothing I can do to make Him love me any less. His love for me is not predicated on anything in me. It doesn't depend on me. It's all on Him. It depends all on Him. He has chosen to place His love with us. Amen. And there's nothing that you or I can do about it. He knows when we're present and when we're wandering away from the flock. And when we, we, we begin to wander, He comes looking. First instance we see of that is Genesis 3.9. The Bible says, The Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Adam wasn't where he was supposed to be, both literally and figuratively. Physically and spiritually. So God went looking. He knew what happened. He knew exactly what took place. But he went looking anyway because he wanted to fix it. He wanted to redeem that sheep. And so do we. Daily devotions. This parable uh, was spoken by Jesus because the Pharisees could only murmur and complain about the sordid company Jesus kept. The dirty, rotten sinners as who flocked Jesus most of the time. And the Pharisees didn't like that. 
They wanted to remain clean and separate. But heaven, by contrast, was rejoicing because these sinners were hungry. These sinners were looking for something that only Jesus could provide. So let's do what Jesus does. Let's look at the heart and not someone's appearance. Amen. Day one. Aren't you glad we don't need a Ph.D. in biblical theology to understand God's desires for us? I'm glad I don't have to go to an eight-year seminary before I can start finding out the will of God for myself. Jesus is able to break down the highest and most difficult truths into a message that everyone can understand. I've been told before that uh, if there's no teaching going on, it's not the student's. It's the teacher that's the problem. And if the teacher can't explain difficult concepts easily, maybe the teacher doesn't understand it that well himself or herself. Jesus doesn't have that problem. He can explain everything that we need to know in very simple terms. Terms that we can understand. So you don't need to study for four years, eight years, twenty years before God begins to talk to you. God wants to talk to you right now. He wants to talk to you here, today. Praise God for that. Day two. Our Good Shepherd is there for us in every circumstance and in every season of life. Our Good Shepherd will lead us into the best places if we'll let Him do that. Our Good Shepherd will provide for us everything we have need of and it will be the absolute best of everything If we'll let Him. Our Good Shepherd will protect us from harm and fight against anything that seeks to hurt us. If we'll allow Him to do that. Day 3. Isaiah 40 and 11 says, He shall feed His flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with His arm and carry them in His bosom. And shall gently lead those that are with young. We saw this in the case of Adam and Eve. He went looking for Him. God is always seeking those that are lost. We see all through the Old Testament how often and how desperate He seemed at times, pleading with Israel, please come back to Me. Stop whoring. Stop going after all of these other gods that can't do anything for you. Why don't you come back to Me? I love you. He's always seeking those that are lost to pick them back up and lead them to a place of repentance. To lead them to redemption. Amen. Do we have that same heart today? Therefore, when the Good Shepherd finds the lost sheep, he's not angry that it wandered off. He's not upset because of the time and effort expended in the search. Dumb thing ought to know better. Why do you think I keep you here? No, he doesn't respond like that at all. When he finds the lost sheep, he rejoices. He is so thrilled. He wants to throw a party. He wants to celebrate the return of this wandering sheep. Luke 15.32 exemplifies this. The parable of the prodigal son. Jesus says this, It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead, and is alive again, and was lost, and is found. Amen. What an awesome, 
Awesome scenario that is. The prodigal comes home. The lost sheep is returned to the flock. Jesus in all of heaven rejoices. Amen. Day 5. Some people chaff at being compared to sheep. Why? Because sheep are dumb. That's one reason. Sheep smell. Sheep are prone to wander off. Sheep will eat poisonous things if you're not constantly watching them. They don't know what's good and what's bad for them. That's exactly why you and I are referred to as sheep. It's fitting, folks. I'm sorry. I know it offends people's good senses, but then stop acting like a sheep, okay? And I'll do the same. That's pride getting in the way of good sense. Please tell me from God's perspective, where does this analogy fail? God is calling us. I'm not calling you sheep. God is. From God's perspective, where is this wrong? Which one of these points are false? The miracle is, despite all of these things being absolutely true, God loves us anyway. God desires to have a relationship with us. Yeah, all of these things are true. We are prone to wander. We get distracted so easily. We eat things that aren't always good for us, spiritually speaking. Physically too, probably, but spiritually. But He loves us. He laid down His life to redeem us and He provides our every need. Amen. He is our Good Shepherd. And I'm so thankful for Him. Our lesson today, we're going to be talking about the parable of the laborers. And our Scripture text is found in Matthew chapter 20, verses 1-16. through 16. Matthew chapter 20, beginning with verse 1. Jesus starts speaking and says this, For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. Again he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers, and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more. And they likewise received every man a penny. When they had received it, they murmured against the good men of the house, saying, these, have, these last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that, take that thine is, and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil because I am good? So the last shall be first, and the first last, for many be called, but few chosen. Amen. The grapes were ripe and dangling heavy on the vine. Now is the perfect time for harvesting. 
The owner of the vineyard stepped out onto the veranda and assessed the situation. He realized if he didn't get some workers in there to help, he could lose some of his crop. He threw on his cloak and headed for the market. There were usually plenty of people there looking for work. As he drew near to the marketplace, sure enough, he noticed several able-bodied workers making themselves available for hire. He selected strong workers because at that time, harvesting grapes had to be done by hand-picking the fruit. It was a back-breaking job. The laborers had to bend over each plant to inspect the fruit before extracting a cluster that was ready for harvest. As we compare the vineyard from the story to today, we recognize God's harvest is filled with souls ready to come to Him. These people need to hear the Word. God's field may not always be easy to harvest, and it may seem to be a back-breaking job at times. But in the end, it is rewarding. Paul addressed the need to go into God's field and harvest souls for the kingdom. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Romans 10.14 Currently, we are witnessing a great hunger among unbelievers for something real and lasting. It seems people of this generation are looking for a spiritual experience, but don't know exactly where to find it. Some seek answers through yoga, spiritualism, drugs, and even witchcraft to satisfy their spiritual cravings. As born-again Christians, we know what they have need of. We know how to lead them because we were once where they are now. Paul told the saints of Corinth, And such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified. 1 Corinthians 6.11 God uses our current knowledge and past experiences as tools to reach those who are hurting, wounded, and lost. With God-given wisdom, we carefully take their hand and lead them to a genuine, deep, and meaningful relationship with a real God they can feel. God does this in part by drawing souls to Him. We do our part, I'm sorry, God does His part by drawing souls to Him. We do our part by reaching out to them, teaching, preaching, and living the Gospel. This great hunger for God all around us fosters a great need for us to be laborers, bringing these souls into God's family. Just as the landowner brought workers into his vineyard, God has called us to work in His field. The owner went into the marketplace and saw those waiting and available to work. We are the ones who love this truth and should be the first to volunteer to share it with others. Those God has prepared and are the ones waiting for us to show them the way. Working in God's field may be a lot of work, but it is worth it all when we see God changing lives. As we experience joy over the fruit of our labor, it encourages us to continue to work in God's field. Nothing is more inspiring than praying with someone to receive the Holy Ghost. Amen, Brother Bob. Or watching someone be baptized in Jesus' name. Great rewards are waiting for us as we answer the call to work in God's field. Amen. So, we understand that in God's work there is a need for laborers. Amen. This isn't a one-man show. I know there are people that probably have the gifts and talents necessary to maybe do it all by themselves. They have the charisma, they have the drive, the, the, the resources, the time. They can just go out and get a big crowd together. I don't know if any one of us can do that. So it's going to take all of us. Amen. This was never meant to be a one-man show. It was also never meant to be a one-God show. God's not going to do this all by Himself either. He has decided in His infinite wisdom to partner with you and me. Amen. He does His part, and we do our part. 
if neither, if one of us isn't doing our part, the job doesn't get done. Now rest assured, God is going to do His part. He is doing His part. He is drawing people unto Him. He is creating hunger and thirst and desire in people's hearts for something more, something real. He did it in my heart. So I know He does that. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know where it came from. I probably thought at the time it was just me being smart. No. It was the mercy and grace of God leading me to a place of repentance. Amen. He's doing that for other people today. He's doing that right now in lives all around us. God partners with each of us to accomplish His will. Day labor was customary. In Bible times, those desiring work would gather early in the marketplace. And when someone agreed to work for another, both the landowner and the laborer would decide on a daily wage before work began. We see that in the parable. The first people he hired signed on for a penny. After that, though, it was kind of interesting. He didn't give a specific price. He said, whatsoever is right, that will I give you. We'll talk more about that later. I found that interesting. Laborers hired throughout the day. The landowner had an initial group of laborers for his field. Sometime later, though, he realized he'd need more laborers than those that he'd already hired. The job was too big. So he went into the village and he hired more laborers. This happened several times throughout the day. And this brings me to a very important point. Church, people of God, children of God, God has given us authority and He has given us dominion in La Crosse County. Please understand that. He has commissioned us with no less a task than to reach La Crosse County with the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. We don't have enough laborers. Now, a couple of Wednesdays ago, I started a lesson on the ecclesia, or ecclesia, however you want to say it. I've heard it both ways. That's how churches translated a lot of times in the New Testament, which means assembly, which means a governing body. We'll pick that up next Wednesday. I am up here. But anyway, you have authority in this county. You have the authority of God. If something is happening, this is how it translates, if something is happening in La Crosse County that you don't like, Take authority over it. Take authority over it. You don't like the bar on the corner? Take authority over it. Pray against it. I don't know how many testimonies I've heard of people doing that, and the bar burns, the bar closes down, it goes bankrupt. It disappears. You have authority to do that. Each and every one of you. We don't have enough laborers. We have the authority to get more. 
And we need them, folks. It takes all of God's people to do all of God's work. We don't have enough laborers to reach La Crosse County. But that's the task we've been given, right? That's why He planted us here. And not in Corpus Christi, Texas. Amen, Brother Leo? (laughs) I know a guy from Corpus Christi. It sounds beautiful. (laughs) Anyway, He planted us here. Because we're supposed to be working here. We're supposed to be growing here. Taking authority here. Establishing God's dominion here. Amen. We have that authority. We have that power. The enemy doesn't. The enemy does not have that authority. He will try to convince you that he does. The strong man of La Crosse County. Ooh. Be careful. Don't pray against him or something bad's going to happen. Serious? What's, what's going to happen? What can he do against you? Nothing. He can scare you. He can intimidate you. He can lie to you. But he can't touch you unless God allows him to. Pray against him. Beat his door down. Take authority over him. You have the authority. You have the power. You have the commission from Almighty God to do that. As a laborer in his field, that's part of it, is taking authority over the enemy. Folks, the authority that God has given his church is largely unused. It's largely set aside. We need to start stepping up as people of God, as Christians. We need to start stepping into the office that God has commissioned us to fill. Do you deserve it? You do now. Because God has declared it. I didn't deserve anything good from God. But I do now. Because His grace, His love has has declared me to be righteous. He's declared me to be holy. Not of myself. His righteousness. His holiness. So now I am worthy to be a son of God. I am worthy to be His child and bear His name and have His Holy Ghost indwelling in me. Because of those things, I have His power. And I have His authority to use in His behalf. And so do you. So do each and every one of you. Use it. Step into the office that God has called you to. This is the office that you were designed to fill. This is the office that you were ordained to fill. Created from the ground up to fill. You are a new creature in Christ. When He made you that new creature, that's what He made you. A child of God. To have a seat in the ecclesia. Make your declarations. God will will back them up. When God told Moses, set a boundary around the mount, did He tell him where to set it? No. He left that up to Moses. And wherever Moses said it, God was going to honor that. He was going to back that up. Did God tell Moses to uh, tell Pharaoh, you tell me when the plague is going to end? No, God didn't tell that to Moses at all. Moses told that to Pharaoh, and God honored it. Is that being audacious? Is that being uh, presumptive? Presumptuous? 
No, it's not. God backs that up when it's for His purpose and for His glory. Joshua told the sun, stand still. He wasn't commanded to say that. I don't see any specific promise in my Bible that we have authority over the sun. But God honored that. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get us to see something here. You make your decrees in the ecclesia as a child of God for the purpose of moving the kingdom of God forward. You make your decrees and God backs it up. He backs it up. Use the authority that God's given you. Use it. Exercise it. Don't be afraid of it. Well, I mean, that's... I, 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 I don't know about that. I mean, well, research it. Pray about it. See if it's true. Let God tell you. Let God confirm that to you. Amen. Because it does seem a little bit weird, doesn't it? It does seem a little bit too much, right? It's not enough. I'm not beginning to scratch the surface of what God is, is trying to get us to understand. He wants to do even more than that through you. Amen. We need to begin to exercise our office as a child of the Most High God. The enemy doesn't have that authority. You have that authority. The enemy has no power. You have power through Jesus Christ. It's all through Jesus Christ. And He has also given us the responsibility of His harvest. Amen. Because we have the authority, we also have the responsibility. Again, they go hand in hand. Two sides of the same coin. If God gives you a level of responsibility, He gives you an equal amount of authority to discharge that responsibility for Him. If we are to reach La Crosse County, if we have that responsibility, we also have the authority to take authority over La Crosse County, to defeat the strong man of La Crosse County, to go to war against the principalities and powers, to tear down strongholds in La Crosse County. We have the authority to do that. God will honor it. He will back it up. But we've got to go out and do it. We've got to speak the words. We've got to take the authority. And then God backs it up. It's like Congress and the President. The President doesn't get to make laws. Now the analogy, I understand it breaks apart a little bit here, but Congress makes the laws. They make the decrees and then the President executes. The President enforces. That's kind of what we're talking about here. Again, it's... it's it's a gross analogy, but stay with me here. It works. When you make a decree, God backs it up. He enforces that. When the decree is for His purpose, for His glory, advancing His kingdom. You make a decree that you're going to get a $1,000 an hour raise at work. Well, let me know how it works. Because it's, it's probably not. You make a decree about someone's salvation. You make a decree about someone's healing. You make a decree about sin going on. God will back that up. Amen. 
exercise the authority God's given us. We need more laborers. Luke 10 and 2 says, Therefore He said unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that He would send forth laborers into His harvest. Now, we've all heard messages on this. This is God's one prayer request. That we pray the Lord of the harvest that He sends laborers into His harvest. That's something we should be praying for is laborers. Amen. They can come in two forms that I'm aware of. Maybe three. Newborns. Grow up in church. They can come in the form of transplants. That's uh, someone coming in from another church to ours or vice versa. Or it can come in the form of new converts that we'll need to disciple. In any case, pray, claim, create. You have the power, you have the authority to do that. Amen. We don't have enough laborers. Make a decree. God, we need more laborers. Now, we don't do it arrogantly. We're not commanding God. Please don't get that idea. He's still God. He's still sovereign. But if we make a decree for the kingdom of God, He backs it. We don't have to beg. We don't have to beg God for stuff. Please, 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 if you'll just do this, Lord. That is not the kind of God it's not the kind of God I serve. It's not the kind of prayer God wants to hear from his people. That's the kind of prayer I prayed before I knew God. The foxhole prayer. Oh, if you'll just deliver me from this situation, I promise I'll serve you. God is his, The king has given us a seat at his table. We eat of the king's meat. We are his sons and his daughters. We are a part of his ecclesia, his governing body. Amen. Start seeing yourself that way. Start seeing yourself that way. Because it's true. Search it out, folks. I invite you to do that. If you have doubts about this, please search it out. Pray about it. But I'm telling you, it's true. Create laborers. Claim more laborers. Amen. We work where God calls us to work. God is an intentional God. And although it sometimes doesn't seem like it, He does know what He's doing. He really does. God has prepared and is preparing souls who are ready to receive the seed of God's Word. We all know that. We all know that there are hungry hearts out there. If God would just direct us that way. When we follow God's directions, He'll direct us, open, closed, and lock doors for us and cause us to succeed against impossible circumstances. When we seek direction from God, folks, things just work. They just work. Those closed and locked doors, He swings them wide open. It really is amazing what God does when we submit ourselves to His plan and His will. But when we go off half-cocked and do things our way, 
We get excited about stuff, and, and sometimes it's not a bad thing, really. I'm, I want to see the lost saved. I want to see my family members saved. So I, I just I go out and I start witnessing and I start preaching and, and let them know what God's doing and, and all of this stuff. But a lot of you probably did this too. When I first got in church, I was excited. I had never experienced or even heard of anything like this before. I told my parents everything all at once. I just threw up all over them. And it didn't work out. Huh. I freaked them out. Dad said, leave the evangelizing to Billy Graham. And that was it. So after that, I I had to go back to the drawing board. In any case, 40 years later, close to that, he's in church today. Faithful. Filled with the Holy Ghost. It took 40 years of praying, fasting, just loving him. For he was even receptive to the idea. God knows what He's doing, folks. He knows what He's doing. If someone's not ready, just keep loving them. Just keep praying for them. I believe that someday they will be ready to receive. Praise God. That goes for individuals as well as areas. We know at least one point in Scripture... Paul was real excited. He wanted to go into Asia. Getting ahead of myself again. Any case, when we try it our way, or if we're trying to replicate something that ABC Church in the next city is doing, it may not work. God's instructions for ABC Church was for ABC Church. For their situation. For their city. God's instructions for us is for us and for our city. Because that's what's going to work in our city. Amen. That's what's going to work for your family members. That's what's going to work for your co-workers. Amen. We can't reap a harvest if the crop isn't ripe. Well, what about John 4.35? Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Now this is where we get into Acts 16 and 6. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Why would God forbid His apostle to preach His word? Why would God do that? That doesn't make sense, right? They need the Gospel. They need to hear the Word of God. Does God know what He's doing? God knows where and when the field is ripe for harvest. God knows who He has prepared and when and who He will send to reap the harvest. Maybe that harvest was reserved for someone else. Maybe the timing wasn't right. Who knows? All we need to know is God said no. Good to go. That's what I need to hear. Thank you, Jesus. 
Tell me where I can go. Maybe we're not there to reap the harvest. Maybe we're there to plant or to water. Someone else is going to come later to reap. 1 Corinthians 3.6 says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Amen. Let's let God direct our steps. When we follow after God, instead of trying to get Him to bless our plans, we'll have victory. We'll have success. Amen. When we try to get God to follow after us, that's when disaster happens. Take my word for it. That's when disaster happens. All right. End of the day comes. When the work was done and everyone gathered to receive their wages, they were surprised to discover that everyone, no matter how long they had worked, was paid the same. And we've talked about this in other lessons. It doesn't matter if you've lived for God for 300 years or if you've lived for Him for five minutes. You both die and go to meet Jesus. You get the same reward. Salvation. You're both saved. Now, that's not exactly true, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But you're both equally saved. You're both equally loved. You both have the same amount of grace applied to your lives. It doesn't matter how long or how short you've lived for God. It doesn't matter what your calling or ministry is. It doesn't matter if everyone knows your name or you're stuck in total and complete obscurity. None of that matters. God loves you just the same. He died for you just as much as He died for someone else. The pay is the same. God's grace and mercy are equally available to everyone. Now we understand treasure in heaven is going to be different for the man that lived for God 300 years. Uh, We'll talk about that in a little bit. But you're both saved. You both made it. How long do we have to live for God before we've earned our salvation? Because that's what people are saying when they say, well, that's not right. These deathbed conversions, how could they be saved? They lived their whole life, 85 years of sin. And then they just repent on their deathbed, get baptized, God fills them with the Holy Ghost, and they expire. How is that fair? Haven't had to go through any trials, any tests. I did. Didn't have to suffer backbiting friends. I did. Those people are in effect saying, I've earned my salvation. You didn't. Folks, we're not earning anything. We have been given a free gift. Is it not lawful for God to do with His what He wants? Amen. He can save the the guy on his deathbed just as much as He can save the seven-year-old child. He's going to live a full life. The pay is the same. God's grace and mercy are equally available to everyone. The complaint is an obvious one. I bore the heat of the day. These others only worked for one hour. If I crawled from here to Barrow, Alaska, 
on my hands and knees over broken glass. I couldn't earn anything more from God than He's already given me. This idea of beating myself up, God can't just forgive me. I, I gotta do something to, to make this right. I gotta do something to, to show God how serious I am about my repentance. Well, I appreciate the fact that you're serious about your repentance. That's good. But there's nothing you can do to get any more forgiveness from God. There's nothing you can do. Have a broken and a contrite heart. That's it. You whip your, you whip your back with a cat of nine tails. You, you, you wear the, the wool shirt. You, know, you can do all that if you... Don't do that. Just don't do that. It doesn't do anything. Except hurt. God's forgiveness, God's grace is a free gift. How God deals with someone else can be difficult for us. Sometimes it seems like they're getting away with stuff we never got away with. Something you got right away takes another person years to finally see. This happens a lot with holiness. Well, I, I saw the need for that right away. They've been living for God ten years. They're, they're, still, not, they're still not doing right. Well, at worst, leave that to the pastor to deal with. At best, I assure you, God is dealing with them in their way. They are being dealt with. God is leading them into more truth. He's leading all of us into more truth. I want them to see it in the Bible for themselves. I want them, if they're going to, if they're going to get a, a discipline in their lives, we teach, absolutely. I'm going to teach the Word of God to people. But that aha, that revelation, that comes from God. And when they get that, then they possess it. It's theirs. They own it. Then they're going to do something with it. Chances are a lot greater they'll do something with it. I just tell you what to do and how to live and how to dress and how to act and how to speak. And I, mean, I can give you a whole book on stuff, I suppose, that you can try to follow. But that's not what living for God is about. Living for God is, is it starts in here and then manifests out here. This has to come first. Holiness inside has to come first. Revelation has to come into here before it can be enacted out here. Otherwise, it's just another form of, of legalism. You were all in as soon as you heard the Gospel. Another person, my dad, takes 40 years before they're finally ready to commit themselves to Jesus Christ. Now, I'll be honest with you, I still struggle with that from time to time. I don't understand. I Once I did see it, I was all in. I've stayed all in. By the grace of God. Please please don't think I'm, I'm bragging up here. By the grace and mercy of God. But that grace and mercy is available to everybody equally. So I don't... I still struggle with why people would walk away from this. But in any case, 
That's between them and God. We keep praying. We keep loving. I don't know what's going on in their lives. I don't know what situations they're dealing with. God does. I will be thankful God called me to work in His field. Of course, there are many more benefits serving the Lord Jesus Christ than we receive and get to enjoy every day. The person that lives for God their entire life versus the guy that expires right after getting the Holy Ghost. Their treasures in heaven are going to be different. I like to believe, reading the Word of God, that I'll have more treasure in heaven accumulated than that deathbed conversion will. But, having said that, that treasure in heaven isn't what I'm living for. I'm living to see Jesus. I'm living, I'm living my life the way I do so that when it's done, I make it to heaven. And I get to live with Him for eternity. Everything else is, that's icing on the cake. I'm going to be in the direct physical presence of Jesus Christ. I'm going to hear His voice physically, clearly. I'm going to have a glorified body that's able to withstand the direct presence of God. Amen. Not like Moses. You can see my hinder parts as I walk away. No, I'm going to be standing right in front of Him. I'm going to see His face. Eyes of fire. Feet of brass. Amen. But, I think, it's, I think it's better to serve God early. Don't wait until the end. Well, the pay is the same. Yes and no. We're all saved the same. But, dude, you're going to live a hard life before that salvation. I'm living the best life serving Jesus Christ. Amen. How long I've lived for God doesn't matter as far as His grace is concerned, but every day I live for Him, I enjoy the blessings of being a part of His kingdom. I get to witness firsthand God working in people's lives to deliver them, to save them, to heal them. There's nothing greater than receiving the Holy Ghost myself than seeing someone else receive it. That is such an awesome thing. Such a beautiful thing. I get to see people's faces when they finally see something in God's Word. That revelation takes place. That light bulb clicks on. They're like, I see it. That's so awesome to me. I love that. I love that. Serving God, I get to enjoy all of that. I have a stress-free life. I have a worry-free life. Free of fear and doubt. God takes care of all of my needs. I don't have to be concerned about that stuff. I do everything I'm supposed to do. Everything that's in my power to do. I make sure I take care of my responsibilities. Absolutely. But after that's all said and done, things still happen, don't they? I can, I can take care of all my responsibilities and still not have food in the cupboard. Because of external circumstances, I have no control over. Well, that's where God comes in. I don't worry about that. Because God's there to help me. God promised He'd provide all my needs for me. Amen. If I don't have God, now I'm worried. Now I'm stressed. What are we going to do? I don't know what to do now. 
I know exactly what to do. Take that to God in prayer. I get to enjoy all of those my entire life. And then afterward, I get to enjoy the presence of Jesus for all eternity. Luke 18, 29 and 30 says, He said unto them, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or parents, or brethren, or wife, or children, for the kingdom of God's sake, who shall not receive manifold more in this present time, and in the world to come, life everlasting. Amen. A double penny. A twofer. It's awesome. God made it first. I am blessed in this present life and in the world to come, everlasting life. Praise God. This is the choice for me, folks. There's no other choice to be made. Not anymore. This is the way to go. Yeah, I could decide I'm just going to live life in the world and then hopefully roll the dice, take my chances. When I'm old, nothing left, then I'll, I'll come back to God. And He'll forgive me and I'll still be saved. If I'm truly repentant, yeah, He would still save me. But what a life, what a train wreck of a life that would be. Good grief. What was the owner's response to their murmuring and complaining? The owner of the vineyard, well, he owned the vineyard. He could do what he wants with it. The money is his. He could do what he wants with it. The workers didn't own the property. The workers didn't have any money. They were there because of the goodness of the landowner to hire them. Now, we all understand God, He owns the field. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the, the earth, the heavens, all of creation is His. And He created it for His glory, for His pleasure. It's way above my pay grade to decide how He decides to manage it. To figure that out, to give Him counsel, that's way above my pay grade. I want nothing to do with that, actually. I'm just going to leave that with God. He's done a great job so far. I just have to believe that when His Son rises in the sky tomorrow, He'll continue to do a good job. I'm just going to have to trust Him on that. Our job, with its responsibilities and authority, has been assigned to us. Sow the seed. Reap the harvest. Everything else is in God's hands. Everything else is God's purview. The owner gently reminded them of their agreement. Didn't you agree for a penny? Isn't that what we agreed on? Isn't that what the contract says? Folks, we have a covenant with our God. We've signed it, as it were, when we told Him yes. So whatever happens after that, you agreed to it. I agreed to it. 
The first folks he agreed with for a penny. But after that, he said, whatsoever is right, that will I give you. There are some things, there are some benefits that we know plainly serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Others, we're not really aware of. We don't have specific promises. We don't have specific statements from the Lord saying, if you do this, then you'll get that. But we still receive Him anyway. There are blessings that we receive from the Lord just for living for Him. That I, I find no specific uh, Scripture in verse 4. Chapter and verse 4. We work with the absolute assurance that whatsoever is right, that will He give us. When we sacrifice for Him, He gives to us. He blesses us. He's no man's debtor. He'll take care of us. God is sovereign. He's omniscient. And He's just. He certainly deals with different people differently. And sometimes that may seem unfair to us. But please understand, He is no respecter of persons. He is perfectly righteous. He is the righteous judge. And He judges righteously all the time. Every time. God blesses whom He will bless, and He doesn't need to explain Himself to us as to why, or how, or when. He's sovereign. If He wants to bless you and not me, that's God's business. I'm just going to have to pray through, or, or deal with it, or whatever I need to do. But it's not right for me to, God, where's mine? What do you mean yours? You have yours. Didn't you agree? Yeah, I agreed. You got what you agreed. God blesses someone He doesn't bless us, quote unquote. I mean, that's a ridiculous statement to make. He's blessing me all the time. Like one guy said, I'm overwhelmed with the deluge of His blessings. Understand that how God interacts with you is because He loves you and He wants the very best for you. Just like that other person. God gives me a little 8-inch Coke and He gives you a 2-liter of Coke. Praise God. You must have needed that more than I did. Because I know He loves me. And He blesses me all the time. I'm not in this for the blessings. Not now. I was at one point. I love Him. I want to please Him. Amen. In conclusion, Amir looked down at his bag thinking about the two pairs of two pair of drumsticks that contained it and back up at the platform. The music director was smiling as Alea tapped out a simple rhythm on the snare. Amir was not smiling. He had been the one to show up for practices on Saturday night, to wake up early on Sunday for rehearsal before service, and to practice tough songs at home. Alea wouldn't know any of that because her family had moved to town just three weeks ago, but the music director did. Am I being replaced? Amir wondered. He didn't have to wonder long because the music director stopped him in the parking lot as they were leaving church. Did you get to meet Alea yet? The director asked. No. Amir nodded. 
but I'm glad you brought it up. Is he becoming the new drummer? The music director looked puzzled and answered, We don't really have just one official drummer, Amir. Well, I'm glad that she's coming to our church, but she hasn't been here very long, and she doesn't really know how we do things yet. I think people who have been around and put their time in should be the backbone of the team. <laughs> Amir, do you remember when you moved here? You knew a few basic beats, and you were new then, too. And do you remember how you got your start? You helped in the youth service. That's what I'm hoping to do with Alea, but in either case, it's not a competition. Serving in the kingdom of God is not a contest. We give our gifts back to Him wherever and whenever He asks because it's about pleasing Him and not showcasing ourselves. Amir gulped. You're right, I'm sorry. Wherever God wants me is where I want to be. Isn't that the truth? We have ideas where we'd like to go, where I'd like to live. Boy, do I. But that's not the will of God. Ultimately, the will of God is what's best. And I know that. I'm not going anywhere. This is where God wants me. This is where I want to be. Amen. Let's all stand. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. I am so thankful for You. I am so thankful who You designed us to be from the ground up. I am so thankful, Lord Jesus, that You have called us to be laborers together with You, co-workers, partners with You to reach the lost, to minister to this current world. I pray in Jesus' name that You would help us, Lord Jesus, to see ourselves as You see us. That You would help us, Thou Most High God, to understand who we are in You. Help us to begin to operate that way. Help us begin to live and to walk that way. I pray in Jesus' name, open our eyes of faith to believe You for greater and greater things. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Those things that You desire to do in us and through us, Lord Jesus, do. Do it. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray.